Just a friendly reminder that the opinions expressed on this show are not worth a Canadian penny, so disregard anything you hear that might get anyone in trouble. And despite some of the great ideas you may hear, don't try them at home. Go to friend's house instead. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our main topic for today. We're talking about the IPRF Rimfire Worlds. We've got Russ. Russ was one of the uh, members of Team Canada. Uh, glad you could join us, Russ. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. So we have a couple of questions about this Rimfire Worlds. Uh, first off, this is a uh, Rimfire Precision Series kind of a kind of an event. Is that correct? Uh, it's yeah. So so the IPRF is the international governing body. And mm-hmm. there are national bodies. So Canada has CAPRA, the Canadian Precision Rifle Association. And each um, each of those national bodies gets to uh, select their roster of shooters to go and attend the World Championships, which was just held last weekend in uh, Perugia, Italy. Ah, gotcha, gotcha. Um, and this so that, was, the that was first, the world's... Uh, first world event, correct? So this was the first rim fire. Yeah, there was a center fire event last year in France, which we sent a couple of Canadians to, I believe. Interesting. Okay. Um, how, how'd you qualify for it? So the, so Capra ran a selection process, and um, we didn't really have time to run the normal types of qualifier events that we would ordinarily do. Uh, because by the time it was um, by the time the event was was announced and selections had to be done. Uh, it was kind of winter, and so not the easiest time to, to start doing nationwide qualifiers. So what we were asked to do was submit scores from significant matches uh, mm-hmm. from the last two years. So everyone submitted their top five scores, and those were used to determine uh, who would send in each of the various divisions. Nice. Yeah, good selection uh, criteria as any. So I guess for that, you would have been submitting from... Uh, ORPS events, CRPS events, maybe like Western, like what other Northern events do we have fire. here in Canada? Northern Rim. Uh, so it wasn't limited to Canadian events. So for instance, I submitted my events from the um, mm-hmm. from the uh, qualifier in Pennsylvania, from the nationals in Texas. So, uh, and I believe that they, the, the larger the match, the more weighting it got in the uh, selection mm-hmm. criteria. <clears throat> got it. Um, so like, like, um, I think all of us have, have been to, uh, uh, precision match or, 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 uh, uh, like a rimfire match. How did the, how did the, uh, worlds compare it to like a local event? Uh, it was, uh, it was tough. Uh, I'll be honest. It was, it was probably the toughest match I've, uh, I've ever faced. Uh, a few things are, were significant. One, the times were short. So every stage, 90 seconds. We're normally mm-hmm. used to 120 second par times for CRPS matches or a minute 45 in uh, a lot of uh, well, the Northern Rim Fire or PRS matches. So 90 seconds was the shortest the shortest we've seen. Uh, the target sizes were small. So everything was around 0.6 mil or mils wide or 2 wow. to 2.1 MOA. Uh, cool. Distances were 
the, the majority of targets were from 110 to 150-ish yards. There were a few that were shorter, a few that were longer, but that was the majority of the targets. So you're looking at, uh, you know, three-inch targets at 150 yards. <laughs> With the 22. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. Um, in terms of the props and that kind of thing? So props were rock solid, but there was a lot of positions, a lot of movements. So there were stages that, that nobody cleaned. Most people didn't even complete. So, for instance, wow. you have um, a stage, like I remember stage V, which was the first stage I shot on day two, had six positions, or sorry, yeah, that's right, six positions, basically a ladder. So four rungs on the ladder, you had to take two shots from each at, I'm going to say a two-inch target at 110 yards approximately. And then uh, you had uh, two more shots from prone on the left of the ladder and two more shots from prone on the right of the ladder. Um or from the right of the ladder at uh, a 218 yard target. So I got 10 of the shots off. I got eight hits and that was apparently good. So wow. I think the best score, uh, the best score, I saw a couple of shooters get 10, uh, 10 hits. One got only 10 shots off, but get, got 10 hits. One got all 12 shots off and got 10 hits. But that Nobody cleaned it. Nobody even came close to cleaning it. Tough. Sounds well. I mean, that's that's good though because if it was uh, if it was too easy, uh, there wouldn't be as much separation between like the excellent shooters and the very good shooters and the good shooters, right? Yeah, I'd say that the the degree of difficulty was absolutely appropriate for the the caliber of shooters that were that were there. And these were like I've I've had the benefit of shooting with a lot of the uh, a lot of the Canadian team. So seven of the mm -hmm. seven of the twelve. I knew, right? Or mm. I guess I'm one of those seven. So there were seven from Ontario that uh, I'm, you know, that I've shot with a lot. There's a bunch from the U.S. The ones, at least the ones from the Northeast, and a couple that were at nationals last year that I had a chance to shoot with. So uh, yeah, a lot of really, really good shooters. That was outstanding about. How are the How are the conditions over those uh, four days? You know, it couldn't have asked for better weather. Um, the, the the days leading up to the competition were uh, actually terrible. The winds were bad, rainy as anything. And for the four days that we were shooting, uh, we had really like nice conditions, sunny and bright. Uh, not strong winds, but the challenging part was that they changed directions pretty much every 30 seconds. Uh, so when you're shooting a 90-second stage and you have to make four different wind calls, it's, uh, it's mm. yeah, pretty tough. But um, the last day, the winds picked up a little bit more. So the guys who had to, to shoot on day four had a bit of a tougher job than, uh, than on the other three days. Always just the luck of the draw with that kind of stuff, right? Like, could, well, could the way they couldn't. To, to be really uh, fair to everybody, each division pretty much shot on a given day. So all of the factory and ladies' divisions. Uh, sorry, factory ladies and seniors, I think, shot on day one and day three. And then mm -hmm. open and junior sh shot on day two and day four. So, so within, within division, the division, yeah, you had yeah. had the same conditions. Mm -hmm. That's good. Yeah, it was fair, fair to everybody. That's good, yeah. Um, how'd, the, uh, how'd the rest of the event run compared to, like, local events? Anything that you saw that you wanted to, like, kind of take away for, for your local matches? Oh, well, so this was much bigger, right? So they had an opening ceremony. They had, uh, you know, a small town nearby hosted it. 
There was, uh, you know, every every nation paraded in national anthems, nice. you know, live band there, uh, speeches by you know mayor, local dignitaries, organizing body, all of all of that um, banquet afterward. Uh, so pretty cool, uh, pretty cool opening ceremony. Then the uh, the competition itself. Uh, so eighteen stages, hundred and seventy nine shooters, nineteen countries. Um, small army of volunteers. There were three officials on every stage, uh, a range officer, a spotter and a scorekeeper. Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, you know, well, uh, well organized. Uh, it took a little bit, you know, the first day there was the usual hiccups, you know, not everyone had, uh, had the same level of experience as, a, as an official, but, uh, they got, you got things coordinated pretty quickly. And by day two, I'd say things were running, you know, pretty smoothly. Okay. Just to gauge the caliber of this, what did did they have uh, roast beef at the uh, at the reception and the banquet? Uh, porchetta. 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 The, oh, yeah, excellent. Yep yeah, the the full you know full carving experience there. Yeah. Nice. Very nice. Yeah. I'm just going to assume that that's some sort of inferior Italian uh, roast beef knockoff. Oh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> they served that at good weddings. What are you talking about? Yeah, no, it was it was excellent. The food food was great. It was uh, it was a well, really well done event. Good, amazing. Uh, how did you, how did you do during the the event? Uh, not bad. I had uh, I had a pretty good match. I had one bad stage, but the rest uh, the rest went uh, went really well. Uh, wind was a challenge for everything. Um, mm-hmm. The bad stage, I had my uh, the battery on my my electronic level failed. And it's my fault for not checking it uh, when I started, but I got onto my first target, went to level my rifle. I'm like, oh, the lights are out. Okay. Tried to turn it on. Nope. Battery's dead. And uh, the big challenge for that particular stage I was on, it's not up a hill or down a hill. It's on a hillside. So the entire horizon is sloped over something like 15-ish degrees. And it was it's impossible to level your rifle just by you know trying to look at anything out there. So I was trying to level it off the placards or something. And anyway, didn't work. Mm. Dropped seven points on that. And mm. in that, in that environment, you pretty much know that as soon as that happens, yeah, you're, you're done. So, um, it, you know, that, that was my worst stage. Everything else. Um, I was, I was pretty happy with Be, being a, like, you know how you do at a, a local event and the Canadian events and even shooting in the U S U S regularly. Do you go into a world with any expectations Having not really seen anybody else, uh, you know, outside of Canada and, and the U.S. shoot, um, so yeah, you're right. It it doesn't make sense to try and to give yourself a, a ranking expectation, which I stupidly did anyway. I, I, I kind of that I you know I'd like to I I set myself a goal of finishing the top ten in in the factory division. I ended up thirteenth, so I did did not achieve the, oh, the goal I, goal I set out. Yeah. yeah, close. Yeah, close doesn't cut it, right? Uh, <laughs> So anyhow, um, my 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 goal for any match though is to not drop what I call stupid points, right? Like the the wind. Okay, that that's the game, right? So if you, if you don't if you don't read the wind right, that's you know that's that's part of the game. But uh, things that I sort of consider inexcusable errors are, uh, you know, shooting shooting the wrong targets, getting the sequence wrong. Uh, mental mistakes, uh, forgetting to hold uh, the right elevation on a shot, things like that. And so through the through the 
whatever, 18 stages, 179 uh, targets, I dropped what I would consider two stupid points. Uh, I forgot mm -hmm. to hold to the right elevation. So um, the other, you know, the rest of it, yeah, whatever, whatever points I missed were either just, you know, challenging targets or, uh, um, you know, wind. Okay. You you said the stages were tough in terms of uh positions and, and less time. How about in um in in sequence? Was there any like trickery or was it pretty straightforward? No, it was it was pretty straightforward in that regard. So stages would have uh you know three, maybe four shooting positions, uh you know, two, three, or maybe yeah, two or three targets per position usually. And um yeah, nothing too mind blowing <clears throat> for for any of the stages there. Okay. But in you know under the pressure there, it's um, it's pretty easy to make mistakes. I saw you know a lot of people get focused on you know wind conditions or whatever, and then you know get onto the barricade and immediately go to the wrong position. And uh, what was actually really difficult here, um, you know, for all of our PRS or CRPS matches here, if you make a mistake on your first shot or whatever, once you realize you're making a mistake, you figure out, okay, well, what's my third shot supposed to be? Go to that position and do it, right? That's how you get back on sequence. Uh, here, they have a different program. If you are out of sequence in, in the wrong position for any shot, you actually have to go back and complete that position before you can advance. Oh, which, okay. Which, so, which was confusing because let's say there's position... Uh, positions one, two, and three, and targets, uh, you know, one, two, three, and four from each position. Uh, if you were supposed to start on position one and, and engage those targets, but you accidentally start on position two, no matter how many shots you've taken, none of them are going to count until you go back to position one, the first place you were supposed to be, and start engaging those targets. So you can, it's it's pretty easy to zero a stage because you got out of tar out of sequence on one shot and didn't correct it properly mm. so th there were a few stages that people zeroed ouch yeah yeah that would hurt oh yeah yeah and, and in that environment like the, the the best score uh there was a tie actually first and second place tied with uh 100 and i want to say 165 out of 100 out of 177 so over 18 mm. stages they dropped a total of 12 shots if wow. you zero a stage you've dropped 10 shots on a single stage you're like, yeah, out of it completely. You're not catching up. So. Wow. Hmm. Yeah, one of the things that kind of struck me when I was looking at uh, practice score for it was seeing such a wide variety of countries that people were coming from. Mm -hmm. It wasn't yeah. just like dominated by Canada or dominated by like one particular country. The U.S. Like, there was a, <laughs> oh, yeah, there, there was a wide variety of countries in yeah. there. Yeah, so, so the larger squads were from... Uh, from the United States, Great Britain. I think they mm -hmm. each had 22 shooters on their squad. I think the Italians had a break squad too, just because they're the host country. Mm -hmm. We sent 12. Um, some of the countries only sent one shooter. Uh, I think Spain had one, Germany had one. Um, I think there were a couple of other countries that there was just one representative. Austria might've been one of those. Yeah, saw some like Czech Republic and uh, yeah. all, sorts of, all sorts of countries in there, which is really good to see. Yeah. It means it's not just like 
you know, like the the world championships of baseball or something like that, where it's like just the U.S. <laughs> well, and the Americans did really, really well. They have you know a lot of depth on their team. So they they had the the first place finishers in in both the ladies and men's division in factory. Actually, I think they had the they had the first place individual finisher for everything, and the only team event that they didn't come first was factory team. And the Czech mm-hmm. Republic had a spectacular performance and just they didn't come first but they came i think like second third and fifth or something like that and and racked up a lot of points there so uh canada we came fifth in factory and we came fourth in uh in open oh excellent so still pretty good considering the size of country we are right yeah and the culture because i mean like the the u.s has much more of a gun culture much more of a shooting culture and, and competition yeah, I don't think there was any surprise that the Americans did as well as they did. I, the big surprise is that the Czechs beat them. That was uh, that was pretty like a pretty solid showing on their part. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm as, as far as Canada goes, we have a lot of really good shooters. Uh, I think the fact that the that it was a bit of late notice um, for you know when the event was sort of finalized and when we were able to do our selection. Uh, you know, there there are a lot of good shooters that I know of that uh, you know would have would have done really well there if they could have uh, if they could have made it mm-hmm. um i wanted to ask you about rifles what did what did you see out there uh depending on what country shooters are from so uh for the american so, so actually first let's start factory and open division so the yeah, the factory division which i happen to be shooting in the iprf puts out a list of eligible rifles for factory division and it's not the same as the list that you would see for production division here under CRPS or PRS rules. Uh, we determine eligibility really based on price. It's, you know, the, the production division is kind of meant to be a, an entry point for a lot of people so that they don't have to like blow the bank on a, on a custom rifle. In uh, IPRF rules, there is no price factor. Like price doesn't matter. So. Um, there can be there are some really high-end rifles out there that qualify as factory because they're all made by a, a single manufacturer and then once you buy it you're not allowed to modify anything on it so oh i see okay so you can buy so, a voodoo and just roll in and uh none of the voodoos made the list uh for mm-hmm. whatever reason i don't know um but there oh, were, they don't make their own chassis and barrel is that is that what it is probably yeah okay. um mm. i don't have i I'm not a I'm not a voodoo guy, so I don't really know exactly the, the details on it. But uh, there were three sort of really high end rifles that were on the list: the um, Anschutz 1710, which um, yeah, that's <laughs> uh, the Masterpiece Arms Matrix Pro and the Victrix Venus. So those were the three, like you know, the the equivalent of the Porsche, the Ferrari, and the Lamborghini on the on the list. So. Uh, Team Canada managed to get our hands on four uh, Masterpiece Arms Matrix Pros. They uh, rushed those orders for us. And um, so great job by, by Masterpiece Arms in, in getting those to us in, you know, on pretty short notice. And mm-hmm. uh, great job by uh, Go Big Tactical for doing the import and logistics and actually getting the rifles into our hands. I got mine nine days before I had to fly. Nine days. So, so um, the range check what it likes <laughs> yeah so took it out uh took it out for a couple of practice days uh fortunately the very first um 
the the very first ammo I tested on it just worked beautifully. It was uh, Uli 10x shot, absolutely great. Uh, I'm I'm not exaggerating. The second group I put out of it was uh, around a tenth of an MOA. Um, cool. Oh, sorry, sorry, tenth, uh, quarter MOA, tenth of a tenth of an inch at fifty yards. Nice. Just mm. stunning. That's still um, amazing. Yeah. 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 Took it, uh, ran it, ran a match with it. I had the last match before uh, before we you know got on our flights, and probably had I actually no definitely had my best match ever. Um, got my first uh, podium finish with it. So the rifle is spectacular. Um, really, really happy with it. What other what other rifles do we see there? Uh, saw a lot of Bergaras uh, just because it's Europe. Uh, saw a lot of CZs. Uh, yeah. I think I mentioned lot, lots of Voodoo's from the you know, US and US, you know, Canadian teams. Some Remexes, uh, but then we actually saw uh, you know a few things like um, you know a guy on my squad on my squad had a Savage. Uh, there were a couple of Ruger Precision Rim fires in there in the mix there too. So any coolies? Did not see any coolies. No. <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> Uh, Canada, yeah. Team Canada was going, didn't bring cooies. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that's uh, that sounds like. So, what, what was the uh, what was the rifle you'd mentioned there? I don't know if I've heard of that one before. The one that I was using. Or yeah, the, yeah. So, uh, the Masterpiece Arms Matrix Pro. So, Masterpiece Arms MPA is based in Georgia, and they're probably best known for their chassis, but they've been making complete rifles for for a while. And uh, for for this, it's a, a complete rimfire rifle that they, they make. And some of the subcomponents are um, a action from Curtis Customs. Uh, the trigger is Bix and Andy, but they're all sub-licensed and branded MPA so that it qualifies as a factory rifle as opposed to... Uh, it, like, I would say that should legitimately be a custom rifle, but it's that good. But anyway, it's, it's a factory rifle. It's on the list. So, yeah, I think you got it there. So the it's the Matrix Pro rimfire rifle. Yeah, that doesn't look factory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, they did. They knew the rules and they they managed to squeeze it through uh, through the rules. So uh, I'm really happy they did because it's it's outstanding. Yeah, just so, like compete, you know, just with like off the shelf, like guys running Ruger 1022s <laughs> and stuff, and this. <laughs> yeah. So we got ours with a 23 inch, um, you know, heavy barrel. Comes with a tuner. I, I didn't adjust yeah. the tuner at all. Like right out of the box, the way it came, it shot outstandingly well. Um, yeah, just fantastic rifle. And the best part is, without adding any external weights, which you're not allowed to do under factory rules, you're okay. only the only thing you can attach to the rifle other than the optic is a bipod. bipod That's okay. it. No other attachments. No weights. No uh, like I couldn't run a. Um, uh, couldn't run like a um, Kestrel HUD. Couldn't put a, ba- couldn't put a bag on it or anything like a, nope. a r- No. That's right. Hmm. Can't attach anything else to your Arca rail. Uh, bipod. That's it. Hmm. Uh, oh, you brought up, ba- uh, or Adriel mentioned bags. Well, what were the rules uh, when it came to bags for um, factory? Uh, there were none, actually. So I could use okay. whatever bags I want. They just could not be attached to the rifle. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. So th- also, there's no restrictions on optics. 
So any optic I wanted to run or optics, like you could put a red dot and whatever top of the line scope you wanted, hmm. no problem. Right. So, so they don't restrict optics just the rifle. So you could have a theta on that MPA at whatever, yep. $11,000, $12,000. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and it would be a factory rifle. Nice. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Okay. From factory, yeah. Hmm. yeah. Interesting. Um, are you going to go to go again? Uh, well, the next one's not for two years, and uh, mm-hmm. you know we'll we'll, we'll probably have a, a more thorough, you know, qualifying selection process because we have more time. Uh, so yeah, we'll we'll see. There's a lot of there's a lot of really good shooters out there, and I every year, like I've only been doing this for two years now, so. Mm-hmm. You know, I've I've just watched the you know the the skill level across the board just rocket higher. So we'll see what that looks like two years from now. Did you during the match? Did you find yourself watching other shooters like from from different parts oh, of the world? Absolutely, yeah. No. So the the most interesting thing that I saw was um, okay. So so there there were some shooters there who you know. You could tell they were they were new to the sport. There were a few, okay. uh, and from from a, a number of different countries. I, like I, I wouldn't just pick on any one country and say, "Oh, those guys didn't know what they were doing." I, I think there were, there were a lot of people who, you know, it's it's the first event, right? It's you know, it's the first world championship. But that wasn't the interesting part. The interesting part was that the the skilled shooters from no matter where they were from, you could see that they had very very similar styles. Right. Like the sport, I think, has evolved to the point where nobody's going to show up and like do something completely unconventional and blow everyone away. Like it's it's a mature sport mm-hmm. at this point. Mm-hmm. Right. Like like all the like everyone has kind of figured things out by now. So there was, um, you know, there, there were no surprises there. All the best shooters like they their games looked very, very tight and similar. Nice. Was there good camaraderie, uh, like outside of the outside of the matches, out of the stages? Oh yeah, absolutely. So um, my squad, we had uh, you know there were ten ten shooters in the squad. I'm not going to remember every country, but uh, you know Americans, Brits, uh, Australians, South Africans, Canadian, Czech, uh, Slovaks, uh, like uh, actually we didn't have a German in our squad, but you know. Italian, like broad representation. Everybody, you know, had a really, really good time. Good. Um, you know, uh, day one, I think people were a little, you know, quiet and a bit anxious, but that lasted maybe all of like two stages. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, you did uh, you did a lot to help out your squad mates, uh, and you know, it it wasn't the type of competition where you'd like conceal everything. Like you'd come off a stage and you'd happily say, yeah, you know what? The wind was like, I thought it was left to right. It was actually right to left. I was, you know, I was having to hold, you know, three tenths right, surprisingly. And, you know, you want, I wanted to see them do well because, you know, it, there, there's no joy in beating someone if they have a, a bad day. I, I want to, to beat them at their best. Right. So Agreed. like uh, there was, um, the guy who uh, the guy who ultimately won it, our factory was in my squad, and he shot directly behind me. So every time I came off the stage, I'd like let him know, like, "Hey, here's what uh, here's what I was doing," 
And uh, there was a stage where he was about to shoot it. And I, I noticed that he'd written down his stage instructions incorrectly. So he would have got out of sequence on on targets, probably not mm -hmm. on positions, but but out of sequence on targets. And, you know, I, I wasn't going to let him like I could have kept my mouth shut. I wouldn't do that. I'd, I'm like, hey, you want to check your check your dope card there. And uh, oh, he's like, thanked me for for fixing it. But, you know, I wouldn't have been happy with myself if, if I had beat him because I let him walk into a mistake like that. Hmm. Hmm. So Kumbaya stuff and all um, out the side, which country was Canada trying to beat in this thing? Which one were you guys gambling with that you had the money on the line to, to beat him? Was it Australia, New Zealand? All those Australians. Uh, I, <laughs> I would say, so look, realistically, I don't think anybody expected to beat the U S um, like the, the Czechs did, which is, you know, astonishing and amazing for them. Uh, mm -hmm. I would say for us, who I thought we would be competing against would probably be the Brits, the Australians, um, maybe the South Africans too. Yeah. Mostly Commonwealth. Yeah. <laughs> Got to represent. Yeah, probably. Um, <laughs> okay. Probably because we just don't see, you know, don't see much, probably language barrier more than anything from like the French, the Czechs, the, you know, other countries. So just... Mm -hmm lack of awareness of, of what's going on in those countries. Hmm. So, but there were a lot of good shooters from there. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, that, that was the interesting thing looking at the results and just seeing like how many different countries. And yeah, I think it's a, it's really interesting seeing that. Um, Kyle, Mo, any other questions you guys wanted to ask? No, I think I'm good. I think I got all my questions in. Perfect. Russ, thanks so much for coming on and uh, and letting us know about the Worlds. Congratulations on your finish. 13th is still mm -hmm. pretty good when you're going to the Worlds good. Really uh, good. two yeah. years into uh, <laughs> into shooting. I think that's a phenomenal yeah. result, and I think you should be super proud of that. Thanks very much. Uh, if, if somebody told me you know, at my first match in 2021 that, hey, in, in two years, A, there's going to be a World Championships, and two, you're going mm -hmm. to it, I would have thought you were crazy. So this has been a pretty uh, pretty amazing experience overall. Awesome. Well, thanks for calling on and letting us know. Thanks very much. Appreciate it. Thanks, Russ. Thanks, Russ. Yeah, now we're going to go on the rest of the rest of the show. At some point, talk to Ryan, maybe. Oh, there he goes. Hello and welcome to Slam Fire Radio episode 522 for September 6, 2023. I'm one of your hosts, Adriel. I'm another host, Kyle. And I'm the final host, Mo. I always spike that intro whenever I'm looking at the audio afterwards. I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, I always say hello, like way too loud. <laughs> hello, welcome to the show. <laughs> <laughs> Audacity is going crazy on me. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it's, it's, it's not, we're not even starting right now. We're midway through. But uh, anyways, why don't we get into uh, what we did in guns? Uh, Mo, why don't you let us know what you've been doing in guns? Um. I went to an ORPS match at uh, Stittsville on Saturday. It was the uh, it was like a double header because it was uh, the August uh, August Course of Fire and the September one, and uh, turned out to be a pretty nice day. It was a little bit of rain at, at one point, but not much. Uh, I did I did uh, terrible, <laughs> so but it was still fun. I guess. <laughs> um, outside of that, really, really nothing. Uh, I struggled with, uh, there were, 
uh, out of the 10 stages of the two events, there were uh, three unsupported ones. And uh, with my rifle with the weight, I did just awful. But anyways, uh, that was it for me. How about you, Adriel? Well, I see we've uh, we've been joined by Ryan here, so maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll add Ryan in and get his uh, his two cents on how worlds went. Hey, Ryan, we, we were just talking hey. with uh, with Russ, so we yeah. got uh, we kind of got Russ's breakdown on how the event went, but uh, would love to hear yours as well. So, just for for some of our listeners, Ryan, uh, you went to the uh, Rimfire Worlds as well, and you're also one of the guys over at IBI and other stuff too service rifle uh champion a couple of years in a row yeah one or two uh yeah one or two yeah what else do you do up to <laughs> well i run ultimatum as well so i guess that's part of it uh along ultimatum, with yeah. we took over uh over a year ago so that's been interesting and challenging of course yeah we haven't talked since uh since you've taken them over that that's uh i remember seeing that and thinking like oh that's probably a good thing and uh yeah, yeah I think so. Yeah, it's just taken a long time to get it sort of straightened around and steered in the right direction. But it's coming along well now. We have new actions on the way. Uh, we've got the deuce and the deadline still. So, yeah, it's been good. good. But, yeah. Cool. Worlds was, Worlds was interesting, that's for sure. Hmm. Did you get to practice your Italian? Or is it Italian? Uh, not really. No. <laughs> I was ordering pizza, and that was about it. <laughs> my language skills are minimal to none so <laughs> <laughs> well how'd the shoot go then because because your shooting skills seem to be uh pretty good i can generally hold my own but man it was it was tough and i had a rough go um i started out really good in the mornings and then right around sort of one o'clock two o'clock i would start to fade and i don't know if it was just the time change or or what it was, but I just, by the end of it, I was just toasted. So it happens. Is it, it, it is what yeah. it is. Was that the sun or the hangover starting to kick in? There was no time for hangover. Like <laughs> it was, we were literally up at like five thirty in the morning, every morning. So, uh, and the time change was pretty crazy. I think it, when we were shooting, it was probably like two o'clock in the morning. Uh, for us West Coast guys, so uh, I don't know if that affected any of the other guys like it did me, but I'm not a spring chicken anymore, so you know, sometimes it takes my body a little bit to get used to things, and I think maybe I just didn't have enough time. But with that said, I mean, the shooting conditions were were pretty badass. I'm, I didn't see what Russ said, but 90-second uh, stages, very small targets, no feedback. Yeah. Um, wind changes that would change three or four times even in one ninety second stage. And uh, thankfully, there were wind flags on the targets, but none of them really read all that well. There were one or two that, that read pretty good, but, man, you, you totally had to be on top of it, and I just wasn't, unfortunately. But that's the way she goes. Next time, yeah, I'll be better. I did learn a ton of lessons, so that was pretty awesome. Um, and, uh, you know, learned a few things about my equipment as well. So, yeah, I came away with lots of good stuff still, even though I don't know. I didn't even know where I finished. I think in open I was 51st or 52nd or something. Yeah, Russ was mentioning a couple of stages where he had um, 
thought that the wind was going one direction, but actually it was going another direction. And he mentioned, yeah, yeah that the targets were really small. It was a very uh, high, high grade of accuracy that was expected. And there was wind and, you know, yeah. Uh, the the part time part time was very short. Part time's fast, yeah. Usually, well, I understand it because it's a world championship, right? So you go there to be as accurate and shoot against the best guys. Clearly, it was doable because Chris Simmons shot a one sixty five or whatever it was there, which is I don't know how he did that, but okay, yeah, that's pretty <laughs> spectacular. But uh, um, yeah, usually, like, you change one or two of those kind of things. Like, you make the target smaller, but you keep the part times a little bit higher. You make the positions worse, but you make the feedback better. We didn't have any of that. There was none of it. It was like everything was stacked against you. And I'd never shot over water either before, so I had no idea how to deal with that. So that was... Oh, okay. We had uh, four stages. One, two, no. Yeah, four or five stages where we were shooting over a lake. And, you know, cool. it wasn't super far, but, like, I don't know how to read wind on a lake. So that was a that was an eye-opener. <laughs> <laughs> can you? Is that a thing you can do, reading wind on can. a lake? I think you can, but, like, just trying to, like, this lake was in the middle of a, not like a valley, but uh, all these hills came down and it ended in this lake. So uh, the the hill where we'd been shooting was up uh, behind us and the wind was coming down there at times and it was going up there at times. And I had no idea what was going on in the lake. You could see a little bit on the water and um, you could see a little bit in needs and things, but yeah, that was also super challenging. And you know, hmm. when you're shooting at targets that are like eight centimeters at, at uh, 150 yards, it's, it's challenging. There isn't a whole lot of room for, for error there. Yeah. And I think the boys were milling them and they said that uh, most targets were 0.6 at whatever um, distance we were at. So that's a pretty, it's a pretty small target for those kind of conditions. Yeah. But it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty small. How'd that compare to uh, some of the local events that, uh, that you've been to? Well, I mean, the, the local events are also sort of oriented to bring new shooters in. So you have to have a few meatball targets there to keep uh, new shooters happy. Because, I mean, if you ran a match like the Worlds at a local match, nobody would ever come back because <laughs> the hit percentages were so low. For some people... I got three points! Yeah, this this sport is too hard. Forget it. I'll do something else. <laughs> You know, like there were stages where we were on it and my entire squad, nobody shot more than a six and somebody came out with a five and we're like, wow, that was, that was awesome. You shot a five. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was, it was an eye opener for sure. But the, the local matches, you have to have a few uh, bigger targets and I'm actually shooting a match on Saturday already. So we'll get back at it and hopefully it will be um, a little bit better result than it was in Italy, but yeah, we'll see. Give it a shot. Cool. Yeah. What yeah. What were some of the things you learned or you took away from the from the event? Um. Well, I mean, I think obviously I got to do a little bit better on the wind reading. Um, although I don't know how guys did it on that. Like my wind reading's decent, but maybe I just got to open my eyes a bit more and uh, take a little bit more time to check the flags. Uh, you know, when you're, you're so focused on 
trying to line things up perfectly, maybe you need a second or two just to, to double check the wind flags because the wind flags were not, you know, sometimes they were going in the right direction. Sometimes they weren't. And like Russ said there, there was one stage where every single flag on the range was going right to left. It was blowing up the hill and I ended up having to hold left in order to make a hit. So I don't know what the hell was going on there. I still don't know what was going on there. And two people after me had the same condition. So they made hits because I came off and I was like, I had to hold left there. What was going on with that? And they were like, what? So I had a, a Swedish guy behind me and I think he fired one shot in the direction that the flags were going. Then he went to the left and he made a whole pile of hits. So he came off and he's like, I can't believe it. I was holding left too. So, <laughs> what do you do right you know pretty pretty difficult to figure that out until you've burned off four or five shots already and then you're already down a bunch of points so is what yeah yeah with a with a match like that where you know the the round's gone or the round's gone then it's not really much you can do after you find out that thing whether it be the wind call or, you know, yeah. some mistake on, on drop or whatever it's. Yeah. Well, because there was no feedback, like you couldn't see anything in the ground. The only feedback I was getting was because I was shooting Ely and it's a shiny bullet. So occasionally I'd catch the actual projectile going down range and I could see that and mm-hmm. make corrections off of that. But it wasn't all the time. Um, yeah. Was, and you're shooting into the bushes in the back. So occasionally you get a, stick fall down somewhere or a leaf blow off or something like that. But like, that was pretty rare too. Plus the bushes were probably, you know, 50 or 60 meters behind the target. So is it valid? That's not, probably not. Yeah. So, yeah. That was something that? I realized from, from CRPS is seeing the splash lower than target. Doesn't mean anything if you're shooting on a flat area because yeah. maybe you missed high. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And we, we all tried to get in behind the guys that were shooting at the time and just sort of see what we could catch from their, uh, their projectiles going down range. But, you know, when you got 10 people trying to crowd in behind one shooter, it makes for some interesting juking around. So it didn't happen every time. So sometimes you'd think it was going one way and it was going the other way because you were too far offset from the target and it worked, but. So that was that was a good takeaway. Um, let's see what else was there. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think just um, some equipment things. Like I've been running a Manners uh, chassis with the Deuce, and it it gave me uh, lots of mag problems, and I dumped a pile of points because mm-hmm. of mags. So I guess it's going to be an ACC Elite for me for now, or Premier, or whatever whatever I can get my hands on, because uh, I got to eliminate all those. Uh, magazine problems which i thought yeah. were good enough i could probably run it still in a club match like i'll probably shoot it again on saturday but i think uh going forward at matches that are important i'm gonna have to switch to an acc so i can not deal with all the shenanigans that come along with uh, uh trying to stuff a 22 magazine into a center fire sized uh, magazine well that yeah. is oversized so that's that was a bit of a learner as well. I knew I knew it was close and it wasn't probably that bad, but you know, when you dump probably fifteen points and your team only comes in fourth by like twenty, that kind of gives you a bit of a bitch slap to the face and say, "Hey, man, you can't pull this shit again." Right? Like, just got to smarten up. So, so that was yeah. That was- I- 
equipment losing because of equipment sucks. That's like, especially, especially if it's something, something small like that magazine compatibility with a stock or something like that. That's, that's awful. Yeah. 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 It was points that I lost that I shouldn't have lost because you need to have hundred percent, you know, trust in your equipment so that you can focus on the actual shooting portion of things. And I was, there were stages where you had to change mags and I only had two mags that were semi-functional. And I was like, Oh man, this is, this is a problem. And it's got nothing to do with the magazines at all. It's all hundred percent that the chassis is too loose uh, because it's mm. center fire uh, bottom metal. So, and it was not really adjustable. So I'm going to go to an ACC. I'll run voodoo mags in the dues and it'll, will be mm-hmm. no problem. Cool. I have no doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Well, while we, while we've got you, uh, kind of on the line here, uh, what, what kind of, uh, new things are going on with, uh, with IBI? Any new, uh, action you guys are running for or any other new, uh, mm-hmm. offerings? Well, as Mind, far as barrels go for like IBI, we have, tw- yeah, it's been a while for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. The newest things we have at IBI are um, 25 cal and 270 cal are now in the in the mix. The 25 mm-hmm. cal's have been proven already uh, by the guys at uh, Predator World Hunting who are shooting NRL hunter matches down in the states. Chris and Jeff have been absolutely smashing everybody with our 25 cal barrels down there, and they won the team. Uh, they won the team championship at the NRL Hunter finale with a couple of uh, 25 cal IBI barrels. So, what's the so cartridge that they're running in 25 cal? 25 Creed, I believe. Oh, 20. I didn't. I didn't know that there was a 25 Creed. <laughs> All right. Yeah, there's some. There's some brass coming out. I think from Alpha, if I remember correctly. Um, and they make good brass, and or you mm. can just neck it up or neck it down one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Everything's the same except bullet diameter. So yeah. uh, I think for NRL Hunter, it makes a lot of sense because uh, you can still make the power factor, but you're minimizing the recoil as much as you can because you're running guns that aren't nearly as heavy as PRS guns. Mm-hmm. So seeing your your impacts or your misses, for that matter, can be a little bit more difficult because you got to absorb all that recoil. But those two fellows know how to run it no problem so they've been doing cool they've been pretty awesome there so as far as barrels we got that um on the action side of things we have uh two new two lug actions coming uh ultimatum invested a lot of money in a seven axis cnc and a wire edm um so now we'll be making everything in-house Nice. Which is good, which was part of the issue previously. You were on timelines that belonged to somebody else, not you. And uh, they never made the timeline. So uh, we ended up suffering the consequences of it. But uh, now we're able to make everything in-house. And uh, should be a lot easier to hit deadlines and, and produce things when they're meant to be produced. So that's going to be good. But yeah, that's the biggest thing right now. So um, a couple of new two lug actions coming. One will be a, a hunter version and one will be uh, just a, like a 700 clone. 
Mm-hmm. So something that fits that. It seems like there's a lot that's out there, and there's a lot of stock, a lot of aftermarket that's supporting that that platform. Yeah, there is, and we wanted to because we brought it in house, we can offer it for a little bit less uh, money. So I think the the just the straight tactical 700 clone should retail for around 1299 mm-hmm. and then uh the hunter one will be about 1399 it's about 100 bucks more it's a little more machine time so that should be pretty good uh, i don't think there's too many other actions on the market that sort of hit that uh that kind of level with uh, the kind of quality that we're going to be getting out of these things so hopefully it'll be a winner sure. i'm sure and uh yeah we'll go on from there but we'll still be producing the uh, deuce for the 22 and Mm -hmm. we'll be producing the deadline also that that'll still be our flagship action uh three lug 700 uh footprint and that's Mm -hmm. that's what i'm running for prs gun right now and it's 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 awesome it's pretty fast so for the for the rimfire barrels you have a new twist rate too yeah right yeah we have a 14 twist barrel that we brought in after some testing uh, that's what I took in the shot at the uh, at the Worlds there. So I was shooting the entire thing with a test barrel, but uh, it shoots good, and um, it's more than accurate enough for anything. It's it's an interesting twist rate because it shoots uh, every bit as good as the 16 twists at uh, 50 and 100, and it shoots almost as good as the 12 uh, out past 200. So it holds really good vertical uh, like the 12 does. I think the 12 still probably has a bit of an edge really far out there. Um, Mm -hmm. But the 14 definitely shoots a little bit better in close and dirty, uh, which is may or may not be a thing. I mean, the difference between the 16 and the 12 was really only noticeable on paper. But if you're a bench rest guy, you probably notice. Uh, But for Mm -hmm. those of us that are smacking steel, I mean, the the twelve will smack any quarter inch KYL wherever you want to wherever you want to put it, no problem. But mm-hmm. the bench guys were finding that the twelves um, they don't shoot quite as good at fifty and hundred. But you know they measure groups in millimeters, so <laughs> no. For, well, for they the, would know. Doesn't really mean <laughs> yeah. anything. Yeah, it is what it is. Cool. So, yeah, so the, yeah. the 14 twist, I can foresee that one probably really taking off and sort of becoming the go-to all-around um, twist rate for for guys that want to shoot uh, PRS-type matches. I think if you're a group shooter, probably at 50 and 100, the 16 is still going to be the winner for you. And if you're a 22 ELR guy, I think the 12 is probably still going to be the winner for you. So you got a you got a bit of a spread to sort of play with there, and you know mm-hmm. it's what works best for you, and figure it out from there. Nice, cool, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's I think that's about it for IBI and Ultimatum. Yeah, cool, Kyle. Mo, any other questions for for Ryan? No, perfect. Well, Ryan, thanks for uh, thanks for coming on the show, especially with such uh, such late notice, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, thanks yeah. for coming on uh, for sure. And uh, uh, maybe, but just before you go, just let uh, our listeners know where they can find out more about uh, IBI and Ultimatum. So, IBI uh, International Barrels is at ibibarrels.com and Ultimatum is at ultimatumprecision.com. However, if you go on the IBI webpage, uh, you can see one of the headers says uh, 
actions, ultimatum actions, and just click on that. It's all on the same website now. We got rid of the Perfect. other website. That makes it easier. Yeah, yeah they didn't for sure. function very well, and they were costing us a lot of money. So we just amalgamated it all into one. Nice. Perfect. All right. Well, thanks for coming on, Ryan, and uh, we'll see you soon. Hey, guys. Take care thanks, Ryan. Have a good one. Thanks. Yep. Yep. What do I just like hop in with what I did in guns now? What did you do in guns this week, Gadriel? Oh, thank you. (laughs) I I was just waiting for someone to ask. (laughs) See how smooth that was? Oh, that was very smooth. I'm not editing that in, though, because I'm way too lazy. I'm like a professional (laughs) broadcaster. (laughs) If only we had a professional editor. Uh, I released the uh, Bren 2 MS video. Finally got that out. So the full one. So I had the one before that was a four or three gun. And this one was a more complete video with, I typically do like a, how does this compare in the market? Show the usability of the gun. And then I do a disassembly like the whole works. So uh, I did that video. Uh, I finally mailed that gun. So that gun was bought by someone else. So I mailed it to them. And uh, I mailed the Lynx 180 lower to uh, the person that won it. So I did all my mailing last week. I was looking at Iron Guns. They have the 11 inch Bren for a 2200 Canadian, the restricted mm. one. Mm. Wouldn't it be fun running around with an 11 inch gun like that? Yeah. <sighs> yeah, it would be. It would be. Maybe soon. Maybe soon. We'll see. Uh, I've been reviewing PAL and R PAL materials because I'm going to be going through that instructor bit in October here. <laughs> I noticed some like weird or outdated lingo on some of this stuff, um, which you guys probably remember from the PAL or R PAL. Uh, keep in mind, I did mine 25 years ago. So yeah. back then, lingo that might have been the lingo. But uh, since then, I, I did it. And I'm like, what the heck? Why are they calling it that? <laughs> oh, that's a weird way of putting that. Like, there's a, there's a couple of things that I noticed that were kind of weird. One of them was hinge action, mm. hinge action, mm-hmm. or break action, as as we we call it in the uh, 2020s. Uh, yeah, so I'd, it said hinge or break action. I've never heard anyone call it hinge action, so that must be like an old way of calling it. Um, uh, the other thing I did was some of the like test prep questions, uh, revolver rifles. That's not a thing in the test questions, but I was looking at one. I was looking at yeah. like one of those little heritage, uh, rimfire rifles, but it is a thing you can buy yeah. them. Maybe not that back then though. Maybe that wasn't, no, even back then you would have had them. They just wouldn't have been as common because I swear some of like the, the cowboy revolvers had stock sets. That's the whole reason why that's a thing is because that used to be a thing way back in the day get one of those and get the revolver and then share the cartridges between the two of them right uh on the tests as well no black powder and a break action shotgun so it's like you can't use it in a break action shotgun but i swear some of those cowboy action guys are shooting black powder in brass shells my dad has a black powder shotgun that you can shoot smokeless out of but we don't shoot much out of it and it but yeah, it was made for black powder. Black powder. Yeah, yeah. But like these are like hard and fast rules, right? Uh, mostly it was just terminology that was kind of weird. Like um, they never really called pistols like DASA, like a shadow, a shadow two. They wouldn't call it DASA. They call it double action. 
Shadow's double action. And then there's some guns that are double action only. And those will be like, oh, they don't cock the hammer or whatever. They're double action only. Just that's, that's just kind of like a weird and mm-hmm. less clear, I think. I think the these days, like when we call something like DASA, like that's more clear than it's double action. Do you mean double action or do you mean double action only? Right? You have to ask that like <laughs> clarifying question anytime someone says it's double action. So that's probably why that that change has happened, right? Uh, bolt action <laughs> similar is sim- a bolt action is similar to a door bolt. I think door bolts were just like more common back then. <laughs> 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 yeah. Maybe more people had used a door bolt, or maybe maybe they should have said like originally when when bolt action the term was invented, there were a lot more door bolts. You know those things you use in like <laughs> an outhouse, you know, slide over, yeah. turn down. That's that's what this gun's action is based on is an outhouse lock. Ever <laughs> be like the history of it. Anyways, that was kind of funny. And then um there's very little around like striker fired polymer pistols. Like there's I guess that would just be covered under double action pistol, but um I could see that being uh maybe kind of confusing for someone if you if you like if you gave them all those materials and you put a Glock in front of them and you'd be like, make that thing safe or like you know, load this thing safely, they'd be like, Okay, I'm gonna put the safety on before I load it. Uh, <laughs> where's the safety on this thing? Oh, that's another thing that I noticed. They say like try to put this, put the safety on uh, before you load any gun, which is like okay advice. <laughs> but like a lot of guns, you can't move the slide or the bolt or whatever if the safety's on. Like a lot mm-hmm. of guns. Yeah, uh, seems like that would be worth mentioning. Like, uh, how many of my guns could you do that with? <laughs> The 1911, you can't move if the safety's on the slide. That you can't. That you can. That doesn't have a safety, and that you can't. Oh, and again, you can't uh, <clears throat> with my single action. Mind you, like all guns are different, right? And this is probably like, but yeah. Oh, there is no half cock on this. Right, right, right. There is no half cock on the on the Wrangler. There's no. only only a, a half cock that binds the cylinder, and then it doesn't want to work afterwards. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Try half cocking this thing. You got a mistake. Actually, that's the safety right there. The loading gate is the safety on this thing. Hmm. <laughs> Maybe I'll bring that. See if see if uh, students can figure that stuff out. Anyways, it's been interesting. Uh, there's some there's definitely some good stuff in there. Uh, they are very like hard up on the like terminology, um, which is you know okay. And then there's some like very practical questions in there, like you know where do you find the cartridge information for the gun? Well, you find it on the barrel, usually, usually you find it on the barrel, but. Uh, it's kind of interesting. I've been looking for uh, crappy PAL guns to uh, to do the course with, so I need. Um, they have to be deactivated. They have to be like they have to be able to like cock and click, but uh, not go boom. So typically that means like removing the fire firing pin or grinding down the firing pin. And it just so happened that SFRC got uh, some Stevens three twenty security shotguns in for two hundred bucks even. So I bought one of those because that's going to be the cheapest pump action you can find easily. <laughs> there aren't any yeah. Turk guns you can get that at that price. 200 bucks for a pump. Not going to happen. So I bought one of those. Not even used. I'm not, I'm not even going to be able to find a used one for 200 bucks. So that's my reasoning there. If, if, if I had like 
a used Wingmaster and it was busted, I'd still ask more than 200 bucks for it. So I didn't think I'd be able to do better than that. Uh, they also had some of them uh, break action shotguns. So I got one of those, one of like $130 ones. Got another one of those. Because uh, I'm using the ones that I have. I don't want to disable them. And then I needed to get $400 to get the free shipping. So I bought a bunch of like random crap. I bought a bunch of like black powder stuff and a recoil pad for the Gersan MC312 and a bunch of other nonsense. So mostly like lubes and sprays and, you know, uh, brushes and that kind of thing. Uh, I have, I think I have a BCL Siberian test unit on the way to me. Uh, this is one of the ones from that... Uh, that firearms reliability testing group that I'm a part of that's on that discord. Uh, the testing has not been going well. <laughs> this thing is a surprise, uh, surprise. Not going well. Uh, well, I mean, so we tested the WK 181 and like we, st- we had some failures with it. Uh, this thing is failing at a much higher rate. Uh, it's, t- it's between three and 5% failure rate right now. So it's uh, sometimes it's uh, you, you put a mag in, maybe you'll make it all the way through. Maybe, but, uh, yeah, uh, that's on its way. I'm going to put some rounds through it. Maybe I'll shoot it in a match. I don't know. We'll find out. And then this weekend I have a maple seed double header at Sherwood park. Uh, I'm going to be having a maple seed every weekend, uh, for every, yeah, every weekend until mid October. Now, I don't know why it ended up like that, but, uh, that's just the way it ended up. So I'm going to be doing lots of them. Uh, the problem is asking, would handguns be covered in RPAL courses now when new people cannot buy them anymore? Yeah. Good question. Yeah, because it's it's a good question. And like to be honest, I don't think I'm going to be doing very many RPAL courses uh, in the near future. But um, still going to do it because I want the – if the legislation is reversed, if, I want the yeah. ability to – get going on those things because there's going to be some people who'll be like, Oh my God, I got to get one right now. <laughs> I was think so. Yeah. yeah. There's going to be a mess. Yeah, so push. I want, I want to, uh, I want to do that. Actually, I was, I was talking with uh, an instructor buddy of mine. I don't even have the right guns to, uh, to be able to do it. And I cannot buy them even as a business. So one of the ones I would need is a double action revolver. I don't have that. Cause I don't like those guns. I just have a uh, single action. So, uh. And I need one of those too. You need both. That's how old you. That's how you know that the the PAL course is old. The R PAL course is old. You need a single action revolver and a double action revolver, but you don't need a polymer striker fired pistol. But that's what <laughs> I, I don't know how how like what volume those would make up of like new pistols. I would bet seventy percent. How how many do you think would be uh, polymer striker fired pistols? Oh, yes, it's high. It's high. Oh, yeah. High. yeah. Two thirds or higher, I would bet. Yes, two thirds. Yes, two thirds are higher. Yeah. Yeah. Because there'd be some DASA guns that would still be sold. Um, there would be some, yeah, I guess that's pretty much single action, maybe like some 1911s and that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, some Tokarevs, so single action there. But yeah, a high percentage of, uh, uh, of striker fired double action pistols that, uh, are not required. Anyways, I, I, I was asking about like if this is just an Alberta thing or if it's Canadian thing. It's Canada wide. If it was just Alberta, I would be like, "Okay, guys, 
it's time to update this thing. Let's, let's, <laughs> yeah. let's put some better questions in here. Let's like, maybe let's put a Glock in there. You know, yeah. <laughs> maybe we'll yeah. drop that double action revolver. Who's, who's actually using those things? But uh, no dice, no dice. But uh, anyways, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm doing Maple Seeds uh, all the time. I'm doing Sherwood Park uh, this weekend. What am I doing next weekend? Fort Mac, doing the drive up to the Mac. After that, I'm doing KGAC out in Canmore area. And then Chaz. And we also opened uh, an event in Tabor this weekend as well. So lots of uh, lots of fall Alberta. These are perfect if anyone is in Alberta and wants to get in hunting. Uh, these are perfect for it. Most of them are sold out. But uh, it's a good tune-in for before hunting season. And uh, you could improve on hasty slings great for hunting so i think like getting that that those reps in there would be fantastic uh kyle what have you been up to nothing i didn't do anything this week <laughs> no just right. one of those weeks did not didn't make it to the range i they didn't dry fire nothing <laughs> i've had a few of those yeah just live fire every weekend that's better than dry fire right you don't need dry yeah. fire. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even make it up for that. Our Labor Day weekend was very low key. Well, I worked the one set. I worked the Saturday, but uh, the other two mm-hmm. days were fairly low key. And yeah, I wait. I can't wait for it to start cooling down. Even still, it's still triple digits. And so, yeah, I can't wait for it to to cool down. We got down to seven degrees Celsius. Down not that here. cold. Just like no more that cold. <laughs> As soon as school started, it's like, boom, it's cold now. <laughs> right around like right. 70 degrees would be nice, like 20 degrees Celsius. That would mm-hmm. be good. Mm-hmm. That's what we're getting during the day here. It's just, it's cold at night, which is very yeah. nice. All right. Let's get into upcoming events. Uh, upcoming events. Turn Maple Seed. There's a couple that are opening. Uh, actually, I'm going to open one in Ontario and two in Alberta, and then North Balford still has some spots available. So I'm going to send out an email, an email out uh, this evening, if I remember, and uh, that'll have those events in it. They're on the website as well. Um, the Chaz 3-Gun match for this weekend, September 9th, there's still spots available for that. Uh, there is a team match in uh, Peace River that's coming up in October. That's going to have some spots available. I'm going to be at that. There's always and spots available for that, yeah. Yeah, and maybe I'm going to Prince George in November for a winter night brutality shoot. Nice. Maybe. That'll be at night in Prince George in late November. It's going to be fucking cold. And uh, I'm going to have to stick a light on one of these guns. That one. That one for sure. WSMCR. I'm going to stick. Maybe I'll stick two lights on it. Maybe the Siberian for a winter shoot. (laughs) It's got the right name. Uh, I don't have the right. Uh, I, don't, I don't have a lot of trust in it. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm a little bit too like if it's a just like a local like a like a weekly match or something like that. I'll run some garbage just to you know have fun. But for like a, a bigger match, something that I got to travel for, yeah. I kind of want to shoot the best, like the most reliable stuff I've got. So that uh, if I have like uh, problems, it's all me. Then I don't I worry less about that. CRPS Nationals is September 23rd. Yep. Hint, hint, Mo. Where's that? Even more Ontario. 
other side of the world. <laughs> it's um, I'd rather be in Hoth, which I'm going to be. Perspe- perspective for you, it's about four hours from Toronto. Okay, Toronto. That sounds like Toronto. Yeah, it's a t- yeah. Greg mentioned it's the 24th as well because it's a two day event, so it's ten stages. Um, sorry, it's twenty stages over two days, the Saturday and the Sunday. Neat. So that's ten uh, stages a day at 122nd part time. No, this would be uh, two minute part times. So 122nd part time. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a long day. Uh, yes, <laughs> yes. That's true. Math is hard. It's okay. not 120 seconds. That's way too long. Uh, two, no. minutes. <laughs> two minutes. Two minutes. Yes, two minutes. That's a that's a lot of shooting for a day. That's. Mm-hmm. Well. All right, let's get into news. Uh, what do you guys think of my title on this one? It's not It's not the title from the news story. <laughs> it's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I went for that alliteration. I'm just like, what else could I rhyme with C? Liberty safe cucks customers by giving codes to cops? No. <laughs> uh, Liberty safe gave the code for one of their safes, for one of their customers' safes to the FBI because the FBI had a warrant. I don't think they actually had to do that. I don't actually like that they did that. And a lot of people don't either. either so <laughs> oh, I'm sure they did not. Uh, just by oh. the way. Mm. No. Uh, yeah. Subpoena. Subpoena is the level that you can you can say like, I oh, got a warrant. Well, that's not our property. So <laughs> good yeah. luck with that customer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, anyways, they did that. Any other comments? Mm. No. Not hearing I'm it. just they how would the codes are changeable, so how would they have the code unless like Mike's saying, is there a master code then? Or or they gave them uh either the uh Tumblr pin code so that they could pick it, or they gave them the code that it, the electronic lock came with when they sold it. Yeah, but you changed the well. Usually you change that after you get it home. Maybe they treated it like one of them school locks where it's like, yeah. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> Tony's saying likely I mean, master code, which from factories usually one, two, three, four, bad. five, six pound. <laughs> On most mm-hmm. of the ones in stores when I check them, that's what it works. Only to provide access codes to law enforcement. If there's a warrant, Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Mike saying, just tell the ATF there's a family dog in the safe. They will make sure they get into that safe. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Comply with the law. Mm-hmm. Anywho. Uh, yeah, that's an interesting that's, story. That's, uh, that's going to go poorly for them. It will, yeah. I get lots of backlash. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Anywho, let's get into new gun stuff. New gun stuff is brought to you by Bullseye North. Need a new boomstick? Bullseye North is Canada's shooting superstore and a proud supporter of the CCFR with a wide selection of guns and top trending gear for any shooter. You know what they got right now? They got 15% off Tika rifles, which I thought mm. would be perfect for how close we are to hunting season right now. Yeah. Just around the corner. Tikas are a pretty great hunting rifle very light bolts nice and smooth they're accurate 
and they got them at 15% off. So they got them right around a thousand bucks. And if you wanted the 22 version, they've got those at uh, all right, six, 700 bucks. Nice. Uh, I don't have a picture for this, but there's some new WSMCR rifles with Templar lowers. This means nothing to me. I don't know if I care, but that's a thing. Uh, the other thing that uh, matters a little bit more, uh, Northern Elite Firearms. They've got the GSG-16 on sale for 100 bucks off. So rather than being 550 it's 450 which yeah. I think that's a pretty good price. Yeah. I think the last time I looked at these, they're around 500 bucks, so 450 is pretty good. They look kind of neat too. Uh, and then uh, Cabela's has a couple that Tony found, and then some that I found here that I just wanted to show. Uh, the first is a Savage 110 Tactical Bolt Action, uh, left-handed. You can get this thing in left-handed for 800 bucks. So a lot oh, of people nice. out there, lefties, get stuck with uh, the shit end of the stick, and uh, there they've got the. Uh, the 110, that's a that's an option. They also have, this is actually a recent change to their models, but uh, they call it the A22F now. F in, uh, in Savage lingo means synthetic stock, and it also means cheap. Uh, that's like generally like their 64F is their cheapest 22, and the A22F is their cheaper version of the A22. Uh, so it just comes with a 10 round magazine. It doesn't come with much else. Oh, it's got still the base bases, uh, 20 inch, uh, barrel. And, uh, anyways, they've got that for two seventy eight. And the thing I saw that's only on sale today, but is still a hell of a deal. They have the Caldwell Emacs pro electronic earmuffs for 35 bucks. Hmm. If nice. you want a pair of emuffs for a guest, like you take people to the range, buy a set of these. Thirty-five bucks. They're going to be on sale for today only because they only, they do these on Wild Wednesdays every once in a while. Uh, these are fantastic as a guest emuffs. I wouldn't want to sit all day in them. Uh, you know, I'd want something with like better audio quality. Oh, I have used these all day. I accidentally brought these one time to a maple seed rather than my Gucci, well, not Gucci, but like my 3M Peltor Tax Sports. And they were fine. They were fine. The I found them. They have a microphone on the top. I found that a little bit annoying because it's like you brush against it and you hear that <laughs> that kind of move uh, uh, sound as you're like brushing against it rather than the front ones, which are a little bit better. But uh, it was fine. It was absolutely fine. Anywho, I advocate for that as like a cheap person's way of getting your uh, guests to stop saying, huh? Uh, CDC supplies has a clearance section. They're running a month long clearance sale. It's mostly AR parts. Um, but you know, some really nice ones that they, uh, that they have on sale. <sighs> Remember AR stuff. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Some very Gucci AR stuff. Maybe we'll get to use it soon. Who knows? Maybe the the conservatives will get in and they'll reverse all of this. Probably not, but who knows? Uh, Italian Sporting Goods, they have the Springfield Armory 2020 Grimfire. They're $5.99 for synthetic, $6.89 for sage, which is, I think it must be like a something better because $100 bucks for a different paint. It looks like a different paint job on it, but uh, whatever. And $7.34 for walnut. I don't have any pictures of it. Uh, here's a, a deal. If you're into shotguns, uh, profit river has the Rosini 
BR522 Special side-by-side. It's a side-by-side shotgun. Just something to chuck into, like next to you on the pickup truck when you're looking for grouse. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's 6600 bucks. Okay. Anywho, it's a very nice shotgun. Very classy looking. Great yeah. looking wood on it. Uh, butt pad? Nah. Wood. Mm. Wow. <laughs> More wood. <laughs> I think that th- there's a line there. Yeah. So I think there is a butt pad, but I think it's like got a wood trim or veneer or something on it. That is interesting. I wonder if, mm. I wonder if they have a picture. No, they don't have a picture of the butt, butt pad. That's clear enough to see it. Oh my God. It comes in so nicely there. It's just got to be hard plastic then or wood or something. Anywho, that's a thing. Uh, can I put this up? No, I can't put this up. I just have that on Facebook. Tatcom, there's going to be some deals at Tatcom. You see some of those deals, Kyle? Uh, I did not actually did get a see that? look at them. Oh my goodness. Take a look at the prices on there. Oh, I'm going to pull them up because, uh, they're amazing. Um, th- these look like door crashers to me. These look like prices that like they're going to have oh. some of them. They're going to sell out immediately. And that's going to be that. Oh yeah. Because there are they're some. just, Oh, there's, Oh, okay. Okay. If I figured out how to get it on my other screen here, let's do that. If you can line up at TACOM early, uh, try to do that. Like, yeah, there's some rifles. Okay, you can get like a, you know, Kodiak Defense or like the CZ 457 for 469, that kind of thing. Look at the ammo prices. Yeah. Okay, 9 millimeter 350. Eh, I can do that. Not 124 grain. That's pretty good. Uh, 5.56 for 625. Whoa, that's pretty good. 5.56, case 1,000 for 5.75. Oh, I that's... haven't seen that in more than a few years. Yeah. Aguila Super Extra, 185 for 2000 That's pretty good. That's better than you can get retail. SMB, yeah, I don't know about that. Uh, Chinese Surplus, 375 for a Creative 1440. Oh, we haven't seen these prices in more than five years. Yeah. Not even close. So um, if you're going to this and you're going to be there early, my recommendation would be to take a frame backpack or a dolly or something <laughs> that can hold some weight because these deals are in like, we're, we're not going to see them again. Not for that price. Anywho, yeah. Mike's saying Adam rod every day, all day for this guy. I don't know what Adam rod is. What does that mean? He's responding to Adam rod. Rod was saying that he, Adam was saying he's going to be there on Sunday. Uh huh. Uh huh. Tony's saying he dailies the Emacs. Tony, have you put gel ear pads on that thing yet? You can get gel ear cups on Amazon that are like generic ones. You can get some that are like for aviator headsets and you can rip off the old ones and put these aviator ones on. Like I, that's what I did with my, uh, with my Peltors. These, these gel cups on here are not the, uh, the ones that 3M sells because those only lasted me a year. These crappy Amazon ones that are actually cushier than those ones I've been using for a year. I think I've been using these for a year, maybe two. I don't know. Time is kind of like irrelevant in the uh, in the days of uh, of COVID, but uh, you can get those kind of things for other headsets as well. 
The stock ear pads work fine for my big old head. Yeah, but the gel ones are more comfortable. They fit <laughs> around things. They're squishy. They're nice and soft. They feel great. They don't breathe as well, though. You sweat like a MFR in the summer. It just seals it in there. Yeah, I don't uh, typically do earmuffs for that I, reason. You know, <laughs> if I'm if I'm shooting, like if I'm shooting a rifle, I go earplugs because I break the seal when I when I get mm-hmm. my cheek rest, and then now I'm not, I might as well be wearing nothing. Uh, but if I'm shooting pistol or if I'm ROing, I wear these because I can get a decent seal. I'm, I'm I'm not putting anything up there to like break the seal, and I can hear everything around me. I can hear people talking and whatever. Mm. Yeah, I just use electronic in ear, but in ear is nice. Yeah. yeah, and they don't sweat either. Yeah. All right. Why don't we get on to the uh, main topic? Thanks again to Russ and Ryan for coming on and letting us know how the IPRF worlds went. Uh, Let's get into listener feedback, uh, Facebook and YouTube. We've kind of been uh, getting on to people as they've been mentioning things here. Tony was mentioning is like, I sweats and he wears glasses. He hates the pressure. Well, the pressure on around my ears is negligible for me. Yeah. I actually found the pressure on the uh, Caldwell's to be fine. I think uh, the Walker razors gave me like the most, they got like a lot of clamping pressure on them. Um, My Howard light impact sports don't give me quite so much pressure. And these things, these things are probably the best for pressure just in terms of like evenness. How many ear pros do I have electronic? <laughs> I have three that I can see right now. I was uh, doing ultrasonic cleaning of my eye pro and uh, I've got like 12 sets over there that I've, that I've, I cleaned today. Like I, I go through these shelves I'm like, Oh yeah, I got those. Oh yeah, I got those. I got so much. I, <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh Gonna get to emails. Uh, do you want to write, read this uh, this email here, Kyle? Sure. Uh, we got an email from Brent, and it's in response to your team names. So for a team name, I would suggest Trudeau's True Daddies. <laughs> He's got two dads. That's too. <laughs> that's too li- liberal for me. <laughs> <laughs> would make sense though. Would make yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. Just while we're talking about ear pro here, Mike's saying that the Surefire Defender earplugs are fantastic. Mm, I should email them, ask for some freebies. Uh, did you want to go through the uh, YouTube comments, see what we've got going on over there? Sure. Uh, we had one comment on episode 521. Uh, it was asking what ORPS, and Tony answered that for him right in the comments there. And we had a couple from the Gersan testing review. Uh, one from Toaster3822 says, no, it shouldn't cycle one ounce loads. First four shots, buddy, read the manual. Stop shouldering those shots so so hard, too. You literally explain the problem, then continue to do it. <laughs> I love these ones. <laughs> you know, I like now that the Remington 770 is like less uh, available. I'm not getting quite so many people who are pissed at me and, and giving me ingrained comments on my like very popular video on it, but we get so many on this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. 
And people who assume that you don't know what you're talking about, like you don't know shotguns that very well. You don't know, you're shouldering it too hard. Well, I remember there was a comment maybe a month ago or so ago, and it's like laughing about the opposite, saying, like, comparing my shoulder to a brick wall. <laughs> I just love how different extremes they go. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean... You're right. I explained it all in there and including a lot of the stuff that people try to correct on in this. I do actually explain in the video. So whatever. It's entertaining. Uh, another one from for that video. I have the same gun. Never had any problems with it cycling light loads or he says are any loads. I think he means or any loads. And I mean, you will have it depends on how light you go. Yeah, go pick it, up a 7 8 uh, light load on there. Yeah, see how that does. It's not going to cycle. No, it's not. Uh, gas gun won't cycle that. But, no. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I've actually tried that out of Reverse Max. But no, they a don't. 7 8th? Yeah, no, they're not going to cycle out of Reverse Max. I don't. Think so. I've managed to cycle oh. one ounce out, out, oh, yeah. out of my like A5 and that kind of thing, but that's as light as yeah. I'll go. And even then, I don't go that light. Yeah. I, I shoot yeah. ounce and an eighth because yeah. I need to knock stuff over in three gun. I don't need yeah. to use the lightest shot possible. Well, and as I say in that video, I wasn't, uh, there was some interesting things with that shotgun. I, after some work, I got my Benelli M2, an inertia gun to cycle one ounce, 1100 foot put pound. Or eleven hundred foot per second loads after some work, and there were some things with that shotgun that hey, let's see if it will actually do it. But I mean, hmm. oh, maybe a break in something. I don't know. Uh, but they are entertaining comments usually. Uh, Gersan MCE three twelve review and deep dive. Uh, Sam Masick says, you guys need to do a TNA VR6612 gauge comparison to the Benelli M2. It looks like an exact copy. And I would those absolutely love... Yeah, I was actually look, what, looking at those. Uh, I had to reboot, but uh, it's not one a, interesting not thing. It's just the weekend. Uh, they were on... No, I was just on their website today. They were on oh, for really? 850 Oh uh, No, um, they were cheaper than that. Oh, okay. Because they're normally like yeah. nine something, but they were on for just no, over eight hundred bucks. Like, they were five something. Ooh, yeah, like fifty percent uh, off. Yeah, they're on for eight twenty nine right now, but on the yeah. weekend. So, is this a shotgun that TNA actually got built, or what was the deal with that? Yes, uh, it's a Turk shotgun. They had it at five fifty, five hundred fifty wow. bucks. On wow. the weekend. Yeah. I would love now, to get my hands on one to try, but two things. Well, one big thing. It only comes in 18 and a half or 30 inch barrel. You can choose between a tactical pistol grip stock, which I don't recommend, or a classic stock, but you can only get it 30 inch or 18 and a half inch barrel. I think 18 and a half as long as it ran. Well, you got to choke up more. Okay. Well, you got to choke up one more than you people use, like a 21 to 26-inch mm-hmm. barrel. 
And it wouldn't swing as nicely on clays, but it would be faster and it would be like handier and close. Yeah. Uh, For Canada, yeah. If mm -hmm. like shooting down the States where you got a 10 or 12 round tube, granted, I did that up in the state, up in Canada as well. I just had it riveted or plugged. Um, There's no, like, I bought a 24 inch barrel for my Benelli because I didn't, I I wanted it shorter than the 26. And then I put a Mm -hmm. big long tube on it. Which kind of, besides a little bit of weight savings, negates going with a shorter barrel. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But that's a nice yeah. choke set they include with this thing. Yeah. Did you take a look Exter- at that? External chokes or extra, yeah. Man, it is very intriguing for the price. One. And I, I don't know if True North would actually. Sh- can ship that down here for me to put it side by side with the M2. They're going to like, it's going to be a Turkish clone. So there's going to be a Turkish clone and the MC three twelve might be the same damn action for all we know. Although that doesn't look the same. Well, the MC three twelve, there, the trigger group, like it was very similar, but it was not, I don't, it wasn't completely interchangeable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this would be interchangeable at all. Do they claim that? Patterned off an original M2. It's patterned. It's not like yeah. compliant. They're not saying you, you can like swap it. Yeah, you'd need someone with an M2 to like actually. Oh, it says compatible with most aftermarket Benelli M2 parts. Yeah, that, so that's, that's handy right there. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I like the port cu- cutout, but I think it needs to be sloped more. It's forward mm-hmm. enough, but it needs to be sloped more. It's rather abrupt at the end. Yeah. But, I mean, very intrigued. Hmm. So you're saying I should have bought one when they were 550? Yes, I, I would have, yes. Okay, well, good deal. <laughs> you got to let me know. You say, Angel, it's a good deal. You got to buy it. You're the one that Just... You're the one that saw the price. I know I, I, know I looked at it. I looked at it. <laughs> You like, should say, yeah, hey, Kyle, is this a good price? <laughs> I got a good saying MC312 over here, and I got my A5 that I'm really going to run. So, like, why am I buying this other shotgun? But, yeah, <laughs> now that I look at it, maybe, maybe. Anyways, uh, where's that, that is put it us? For, That's the end of the YouTube comments. Got it. Okay, Instagram, Facebook. Yeah, we've been covering whatever people yeah. have well, been there Mike, here. Uh, or not Mike, sorry, Tony had brought one up and... Are you saying I was drinking the Dutch beer, but I am not? It is the Mexican Dos Equis. You're close. To, you're in New Mexico. It's practically Mexico. So you have well, to drink yeah. Dos Equis, right? It's hard to find a restaurant here that isn't Mexican. So I love it. Oh, I would love that <laughs> so much. I love Mexican food. So good. I do too, but it does get tiring after every nope. day. No. Nope. No, every day. <laughs> Gonna learn to love it. <laughs> oh, I do love it. Yes. Yeah. All right. Uh, people bought some stuff. Okay, so we got this Cabela's link on the side of our website, and some people bought some stuff in August. I'm gonna go through it. Uh, some of the stuff they bought multiples of. Uh, Cabela's Outfitter XL minus 18 degrees C sleeping bag. Someone's gonna do mm-hmm. some winter hunting camping, maybe. The Cabell's pocket knife and flashlight combo. Someone bought like six or seven of these things. They're giving them away for gifts. They bought them on sale. I approve. Very frugal. (laughs) 
Herder's target handgun ammo. Again, they must have had a deal. Someone bought a pile of those. And Winchester 9mm centerfire pistol ammo. Someone bought a pile of those as well. Oh, Tony mentions that there's some team names on Discord now. Oh, yes, there were. Did you see them? I did. Um, is it on there? I got, I got them. Where is it? Uh, they're under general. I'll go ahead then. Uh, okay, so Tony had a couple ideas. He asked if Colin was a father yet, and yes, he is. And his suggestion was two dads, bad jokes. Mm-hmm. And then this one's supposed to be a jab at me suggestion. I'd rather be in New Mexico. But I would be, especially like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mid-October in, in Peace River. Yeah, I would rather be in New Mexico. <laughs> Your weather's going to be way nicer than ours. Probably still be wearing shorts by then. Yeah, I put I put my shorts away already. <laughs> oh. it. It's like overnight. Nope. Yep. September comes, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, if, if anyone out there wants to buy something from Cabela's, we have an affiliate link on there. Oh, I got an affiliate set up with Amazon, and I finally got approved on that thing. So if we wanted to do anything with Amazon, we can do that there too. Nice. Uh, but we'll only do stuff that we actually buy or that we that we used ourselves. Anywho, uh, thanks to our supporters on Patreon and Player. If you'd like to support us, head on over there. If you'd like to email the show, send an email over to slamfireradio at gmail.com. We'll probably read it. Uh, Shoutouts and recommendations? Uh, Well, I'll shout out Team Canada for their awesome job at Worlds. It was a different match style, and it was good to see that they still mostly did good. And I mean, they have your issues that you would normally expect at a new style of event. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It sounds like, uh, sounds like it was a fun time. Uh, cool. Well, uh, or if you'd like to, uh, join our discord server, we've got that link on our website and we'll probably put it in the side chat here as well. If you want to click over there, uh, discord's kind of like, uh, the new chat thing. It's kind of like Reddit, but better, more servers, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Watch us on Facebook, YouTube, and Player. Join the CCFR, and we will see you next week. See you next week. So if you have any comments or questions for the show, please send an email to slamfireradio at gmail.com. Now go grab a gun and shoot something. When the talking is over, it's time to get a gun.